When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. I'm your host, Robert Gerrish. Flying Solo is an Australian online community and home to stacks of free resources, discussion forums, professional development tools, and a whole lot more. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Paul Mitchell has been immersed in the area of corporate psychology and leadership for over 30 years. His business, The Human Enterprise, has at its core the belief that you can have a strong, growth-orientated entrepreneurial spirit and still be truly human in all that you do. In his own podcast, Enterprise Radio, Mitch interviews a wide cross-section of leaders, and today we're going to explore what he's learned and how the small end of town can mimic the big guys, if indeed we should. So, hello, Mitch. G'day, Robert. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for spending your time with the Flying Solo community today. Pleasure. Pleasure to be here with yourself and your, and your listeners. Great. Now, look, to start, I, I guess maybe you should just ooh, set a little bit of context for us, should, should you, Mitch? Just give us an idea. What, what is leadership to you? What's your kind of take on that? Great question. There's many, many ways of looking at leadership. I think it's important that you, 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 you lock onto something. The, the definition or the way we see leadership now is... Uh, has come from us from uh, London Business School, and we see leadership not just the leader, but leadership as um, the the act or the, um, the 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 behaviour of exciting others to exceptional performance. Uh, I think that's important. It's not just like, yeah, let's get them motivated, let's get them engaged, but exciting them. Like, wow, this is this is really something, and not just good, not just great, but exceptional performance. And mm. I think that, and because of that, I think it's really important that that anyone therefore can lead. You you do not have to have millions of people reporting to you. You can lead from any chair. It really is a mindset. Yeah, look, that's a great point, and I love that phrase, exciting others to exceptional performance. And I guess putting it just into a kind of a solo context, um, in our case, in our case as soloists, the people that we're exciting, they may be people that we do a little bit of subcontracting to, they may be suppliers yeah. to us, they yep. may be clients. So as you yep. say, we don't have to have a whole team of minions to, to, to have an importance on leadership, do we? Well, I think I think I think the, the the key concept there is no one makes it on their own. Mm. You know, we, we we say that we're solo entrepreneurs, but we need a good lawyer, we need a good accountant, we need uh, we we need uh, you know uh, all sorts of suppliers, and and your ability as a solo entrepreneur to want those people to really uh, want to work with you and enjoy working with you is leadership. Mm. Um, so it's yeah, we 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 we're sure we we may be in our own business as single operators but we're certainly not uh, not on our own no okay and tell me just just on that point how do you think you know i know that um through the work that you do at the human enterprise you you spend your time largely with corporate leaders with people who do have a a large kind of staff working with them how do you think most of those leaders the good ones you know the ones that you really admire yourself how do you think they go if they're taken out of that business and kind of plonked on their own Uh, well i think 
some would go really well, some would really struggle. Right. So what's, what's the difference that makes the difference there? I think the ones that are self-aware, I think the ones that know their talents and their strengths and also know their vulnerabilities will do very well mm. because they'll go, you know what, like for me, I'm not, a good, I'm not good at admin. So if I was you know, in my, by myself, I'd say, okay, who can I gather around me that's going to help me with all that stuff that I'm not real good at? Mm. And the other thing that's required there is to let go of the, of the ego to an extent. Um, hubris is a real killer. Mm. And if you, if, so I think that the people from a corporate world that would make it on their own, one is to know where they're strong and where they've got uh, gaps and to bring people in to support them. And I think the the second thing is that you'd have to rely more on your personal power than your positional power. The mm. problem with a lot of leaders is they're not really leading. They're leading behind a title. Mm. And the great leaders know that you'd never use that positional power until you absolutely have to. Because as soon as you, you, um, you use it, you lose it. So the difference being, in, I guess, in your own thing, where you don't have millions uh, of, of minions reporting to you, it's really, will I follow you as a person, let alone your title? Mm, and that's... I think that's where they'd struggle. Great point. I lo again, I love that phrase, personal power versus positional power. And I guess that for the majority, well, for all of our audience, um, their success as leaders, their success in their business is so much dependent on their personal power and so rarely uh, reliant on their on their positional power. So that's, that's a very, very nice distinction to make. I wonder if I could... Um, Asked you next just to have a look at you know with these great leaders that you've spoken with and I know you do a number of them through your own interviews but also in the you know 33 years or so that you've been doing this what kind of common traits do you observe when you when you first meet someone or maybe after you met them a little while what are the things that you're kind of looking for I, I, I guess one of the first things and this is, is is energy and it doesn't have to be like I'm a bit you know you know, like a like a like a laptop. It doesn't have to be that <laughs> all the time, but it has to be like, you know, there's there's this solidarity of they have an energy. They are thinking possibilities. So and their energy, even though people don't know exactly sometimes what they're trying to articulate in strategy, people get caught into that energy field, what they call the kinesthesia or the kinesthetic field around them. So they actually sort of attract people into it. So there's a certain energy energy to them. Um, they're constantly challenging the status quo. You know, how can we do it differently? How can we do it better? And they're, I guess you can call it vision or big, hairy, audacious goal or strategic intent, but they're, they're focused on the possibility. They're focused on, on, uh, so focused on the future. They're focused on possibilities. So there's a few things that mm. come to mind in those first few uh, you know, moments when you talk with them, you can almost. What's that wonderful line in the castle? It's it's the vibe of the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know that one with the lawyer. Oh, that That's is. Oh, yes. You no, can no. almost get the vibe. They've got the energy, and because of that energy, that energy actually oscillates other people around them. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And sorry, you throw me off on a delightful tangent now thinking about that line from the castle. I'm, yeah, and I'm just going to put that into, I'm using the word context far too much, but 
I remember well, that. Can I actually in... come back to that? I mean, if you talk about, I mean, you've talked about yeah, the castle, you've mentioned it. Uh, people often say to me, look, what's the best book on leadership? What should I read? And I say, well, look, if you want to learn about international leadership, rather than read a book, see the first original Star Wars. It's got everything mm. you need to know about leadership. One, you've got to have a vision, you know, re re rescue Princess Leia. One, you've got to have a mentor or a coach, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm. Uh, you, you've got to trust at some point. You've got to put your faith in something, you know, and you've got to use that faith. Use the force, Luke. Use the force. So I talk mm. about all the leadership lessons. And the other one, if you want to actually take leadership in an Australian context, just watch the movie The Castle. Right. I mean, it's, it's got every lesson. I mean, here, um, no matter what, he's got his sons and so forth, and one, as you know, is not too good, but he still believes in him. Mm. He still thinks possibly. He's still just so happy to be doing what he's doing. I think it's a brilliant movie on yeah. leadership. So, bit of an aside there. Yeah, tell him he's dreaming. Okay, now that's, that's <laughs> great. And a uh, very good reminder on Star Wars, actually. That's, um, so it's interesting. So what often do you find, well, not maybe often, but when you're speaking to leaders, do you... Do you have to take them back to the start sometimes? Do you have to say, look, you know, do you find that people get themselves into a leadership or find themselves in a leadership position but with a number of tools in the toolbox missing? Is that a fairly common occurrence? It is a fairly common occurrence. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and one of the dangers is that, that they actually think, what are the tools that are missing? A good example is one of the things we say to people, and it takes a while for them to get it is like, yeah, do you do a to-do list? Yes, I do a to-do list. I do a to-do list. Uh, mm. And the to-dos are all the behaviors they're going to be. But we talk about, what's your to-do list today? And of course, they go, what? What? Because they feel that's, you know, quixotic, airy-fairy, ethereal stuff. Mm. Who are you going to be today? Mm. What do you mean? Well, you're rocking up. You've got some pretty tough news to deliver. You need, who are you going to be? Well, I'm going to tell them how it is, but I don't know. Who are you going to be? So we get to, I'm going to be assertive, but I'm also going to be compassionate. I'm going to be, um, so that the thing that happens is I think leaders sometimes forget who they are. Mm. And I think our job as coaches and mentors and, and hopefully confidants of these leaders is to get them to remember who they are. What do they stand for? Mm. What are they truly about? Uh, the old, my, my, my mother used to say, if you don't stand up for something, you'll fall for anything. Mm. So, get that, so we need to strip away all this stuff they're supposed to learn and, and to get them to get back to the essence of who they really are and then do the build from there. Mm. So interesting because, again, this is you know, absolutely directly translatable to, to, to our world, you know, the flying solo, the world of the soloist, so much of what you say. And I wanted just to explore that a little further. Do you think... You know, we, we often in small business, um, we tend to look to big business for a bit of maybe strategic guidance or um, modeling of how we should do things. But, you know, you're, you're, you're in a very interesting position where you're spending so much of your working life and have so much of your adult working life within the corporate buildings. And yet, you know, you're technically a, a small, small business yes, yourself. Yes, yes. What do you think the small end of town can teach the big end of town or what do they what what could a leader get from from the way that small businesses behave it's a lovely uh, circular uh, process this one because what i do with the larger corporates i advise is it's about time you started thinking like a small business <laughs> what are you going to stop doing what are these processes that are just not working for you, that are sucking people's energy and sucking people's soul and not allow them to truly be who they are? What can you get rid of? What systems can you just chuck out that aren't working for you and make it, and make it simple? However, 
and I've obviously got you know a lot of mates in small business, and I'm guilty of this because I wish I'd done it a lot more of it. Although we've got some, we haven't got enough. To small business, I say you need to act much more like a large business. Mm. Show me your systems manual. Mm. Show me the way you do things. Show me your schedule. Show me your routine. Show me your monthly, weekly, quarterly marketing calendar. Mm. What? So I I suppose what I'm saying is that I think it goes two ways. I think small corporates, small soloists, if even from the start they saw their business as the thing they were selling, not their product, I think that would have that act like corporates. But if Mm. corporates saw that really, there's no such thing as a bloody corporation. I mean, corporation, the word corp comes from the word people, as in corpse. Mm. A corporation is just a group of people. Mm. There's no such thing as a corporation. It's just a whole lot of group of people. And if corporations got that all we are is a wonderful group of people, and the more we look after each of those people as a group and as people, the more we will flourish. And that's where I think solo entrepreneurs have it over corporates. I think we have a wonderful coming together of the minds. Mm, very interesting. And who, I mean, I, I'm sure, and I'm going to ask you a question at the end of our talk about um, people who made an influence on you, but I mean, do you still have, uh, as you kind of go through your working week, do you hold up particular models of perhaps businesses rather than individuals at this stage that are that have just got this thing right you know that understand that corporate is about people who who are really modeling it well do you think <laughs> that's a, so, so that's a, an interesting quote i'm not going to actually say that because then quite so you didn't talk about us what about us so what okay. i will, what i will talk about is yes there are quite a few out there and here's mm. what they do they they really get um one of the one of the sort of services programs we offer is a, it's called managing personal growth MPG. And mm-hmm. at the heart of it is is this wonderful thing called the the X model. But it basically says the job of the leader is to do two things: to maximise people's contribution. So when I see businesses that are trying to maximise contribution, real good role clarity. Here's what you do. Here's how it fits in. Giving them a line of sight that their efforts make a difference, that their efforts have um, uh, make a, a real contribution, that their efforts are going to a higher purpose. So that's maximizing contribution. Mm. But then they also help them maximize their joy or maximize their satisfaction. Here's how by doing this role, you're going to get your needs met, you're going to float your boat, you're going to get your DNA to dance. When leaders or, or organizations really get that, it's not just about how do we maximize the contribution of our people, but they also get, and at the same time, give them joy, then they become what we call a human enterprise. Mm. And there, yes, there are organizations around that do it. And here's a thing, when things get tough, they don't stop doing it. I find the worst ones are, we well, cut the people agenda, cut the leadership. Mm. I've seen some companies that we've worked with and we've, we've loved these people, and new people, have, and we've done a lot of leadership work there. Sales has dropped a little bit. Um, and then all of a sudden, no, we're going to stop the leadership stuff. We need to do sales training. So they focus purely on the sales side mm. and forget and forgot the importance yeah, of the engaging people. people. Mm. And, and it's in its, in, in, in the opposite of what they wanted has happened. They've actually, sales have tipped up a little bit, but then engagement levels have gone so low that um, it's crashed. Yeah. And, you know, with your, your sort of history, Mitch, you know, 30, over 30 years in this business and coming from a, um, a well, an, a, originally a background as a school teacher and then um, training in psychology, 
Presumably 30 years ago, getting a foot in the door was a damn sight harder than it is today, I would imagine, isn't it? Are we not? We're, we're a, a much yes. more accepting, yes. sort of touchy-feely yes. kind of nation now. <laughs> Do you well, have... we, we, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very astute uh, insight. The, when I first started, <laughs> it, was, it was like um, Satan be gone. What do you mean a human enterprise? You know, you know, and we didn't even have the word engagement then. But now, of course, uh, you know, you, you'd, you'd be sleeping if you didn't know that. You know, the the, the the equation that most people get is that leadership drives culture, culture drives engagement, and engagement drives results. Just because you're engaged doesn't mean you're going to get results, but you'll never get those results if without that engagement. Yeah. So yes, it is a lot easier. To, to talk about the sorts of things that we're, we're doing now in today's world. Mm. But um, talking about sort of today's world, I mean, I was sitting in a, in a cafe not that many hours ago um, reading about yes, another corporate who's in a little bit of strife, we won't name names, but, um, you know, there's, the, there's this ever-growing need, and rightly so, for transparency in business and how businesses operate. And clearly, that must come from the top. A business must make a decision at some point to be open and transparent, or you know, horror, not open and transparent. But does this this ever ever sort of increasing need, ever growing need for transparency, is it creating better leaders, or is it actually hindering leadership? Well, there's an old saying: the truth shall set you free. But I'd also the parallel to that. I think that. Um, I think the better leaders that I work with realize that sometimes uh, there's a timing with truth. Mm. Um, that, that strategic disclosure, it doesn't mean you're holding back, but strategic disclosure of appropriate key information at key times um, is, is more important than, well, look, here's total open book management, um, read of it what you will, because people will read into data what they want. Mm. So I think it has made it, the difficulty for leaders is that what is the information that, that we disclose and how, what's the, and how do we disclose it and when do we disclose it? Mm. But, and so yes, there is a lot of pressure on this whole idea of transparency. But remember, it, the big thing about transparency, it's not just about transparency of information. There's a major push. I want to know who you really are, Robert. Don't hide mm. behind Flying Solo and Mitch. Don't hide behind the human enterprise. Who the hell are you? So this concept of authenticity, and that's where the great leaders get it. They talk about their strengths, their talents, but they also talk about their allowable weaknesses. They talk about their vulnerabilities. So in that way, yes, it's a lot harder. Because you know what? Particularly X and Y, we're not going to follow you just because you've got a title MD or mm. general manager marketing. We want to know who the there hell you are. are. Yep. So it is, it is a lot harder for people that you know, have, been, have grown up with not sharing that like there's work and then there's there's life and there's work and i don't want to bring my life to work i i don't want to talk about that I, it's, so the transparency aspect the authenticity is a lot harder for a lot of leaders yes mm. i, I get, uh, presumably of a particular age as well those that have been been there for a long time would probably be struggling with it but it's it's very interesting because again you know huge parallels there of course with solo business you know for so many of us we are our business you know the 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 person that that fronts up we are absolutely representing our business and you know i often describe it to people as when you're running your own business you kind of need to think of yourself almost like an off-duty policeman 
you know, when you're when you're at the shopping mall at the weekend, berating your child in front of somebody, or or you know, or, or getting upset because your cappuccino hasn't got the right millimeters of froth on it, you know, you're still your business. People yeah. are still seeing you, and I just think it's, and I don't think that's a needs to be a trap in any way or a bad thing. It's just something to be aware of. Well, um, in fact, if you're true, Shakespeare was a Polonius and Hamlet said this above all to our own self be true and here's the thing here's, here's why you need to do this because you just don't have the energy to be somewhere else be mm. true to yourself if you're a pain in the ass and you're a shouter and that's the way you are I'm not saying that's good then be consistent right across from the you know from the front of the stage to one-on-ones to to your kids or your family yeah. um, if you're if you're being different things in different contexts it's just too bloody hard mm. it's too hard you, know, you certainly need to be a bit of a so you need to you, you certainly need to change your behavior but but you don't change your values. I had the joy of working with a guy called Jim Sweeney, who was the um, he was when I was with him the operations director of uh, St George Building Society. It was at the time he went on to build it as a bank, and then he was the MD of the bank. And Jim, if you didn't know who he was, you'd think, hey, what's going on here? Sometimes he could be all over you like a rash and so supportive, and at other times he was quite uh, quite aggressive. Mm. But because you knew, he just was so passionate about customers. If you'd pissed off, if you'd upset a customer, he would be very, very annoyed. But if you'd yeah, done yeah. something for a customer, so there you have different behaviours. But we knew where that was coming from because Jim shared what his values were. Mm. So yeah, this is this whole thing about point. leaders getting very clear on their values, and then they can behave in different ways. Mm. But yeah, you cast a big shadow. You are always on show. That little flippant comment with someone over a coffee in the canteen can spread like a virus around mm. the business before you know it. Absolutely. Well, look, um, I, I love that we've gone through Star Wars, The Castle, Shakespeare. <laughs> I mean, is there, where to next? Now, look, the next, getting near to, near to the close of our conversation. But what, what I'd love to, would love to know from you is. What do you think, what's the one thing that, that most leaders could use more of? And maybe there's more than one thing, but what do you, what do you recommend? What, what do most leaders need more of? Um, well, they need more of something that you all, we all need more of, but then they need to, to do something within that thing. The thing they all need more of is time, mm. but within that time, they need reflection. Right. They need critical reflection. They need to stop. I mean, there's a wonderful line in Fiddler on the Roof that says, oh, if You're I off were, again. <laughs> it says, If I were rich, I'd have the time that I lack to sit in the synagogue and pray, maybe have a seat by the Eastern Wall. That's what we need. We just need time mm. to sit. To, to, to reflect who are we, what's happening, am I happy, am I engaged, what could I do better? And we just, we, we don't have that anymore. I was saying to someone the other day that, you know, when I first started, we used to do two week, two to three weeks sometimes programs. Right. People now come to me and say, yeah, look, two to three weeks sounds great, but could you do it in an hour? <laughs> <laughs> do this, could you do the essence of it in an hour? Mm. In fact, could we have two half two half hour sessions spread over a couple of months because we haven't got a lot of time. Mm. And and this is the problem. We, we've got we've got everything we've got to do now is in 140 characters or less. Mm. Um, and I just don't think that's. It sounds like I'm the, I'm an old fart in the old world, but I, I do really believe that the, the big thing we need is time, yep. time to connect to each other, but time to connect. To ourselves and take time out to reflection. That's why mm. in Harvard, MIT, these schools are now teaching meditation. Yeah. The importance of slowing down, Absolutely. having 
steel pond and looking in it and seeing yourself for the first time. Mm, fantastic. I love that, uh, the quote, the one, and, and listeners will probably be bored of me repeating it yet again, but I love the um, Bertrand Russell quote, the time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and I think, yes, that, as you say, that time to reflect. So it's not just time, but it's it's how you use that time. And, exactly. Mm. Well, even the Eagles, you can get on with your life and I can get on with mine, but let's just hope it wasn't really wasted time. <laughs> <laughs> the Eagles, who are they? They're, They're an old group. Oh, you... an old group, are they? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know them. All right, well, look, uh, Mitch, it's been fabulous talking to you. I'll ask you one final question. Sure. You met a lot of people. Um, you've talked to many, many people. Who has who's been the greatest influence on you in your working life or your life, and what did they teach you? Well, without a doubt, that would have to be my beautiful, beautiful mum who passed over a, a couple of years ago. I mean, she, like many mothers, they wouldn't say that they were a leader, but they led, and they, mm. led, they led so well. I mean, mum would uh, not say a lot, but she'd, she'd uh, teach us by little sayings. She used to say, boys, because there was my brother and I, make every post a winning post. In other words, you know, have a look at it and, and, and learn from that. She used to say, uh, you know, because we were really into saving at an early age, she said, you look, save for a rainy day, but don't miss all the sunshine. Mm. <laughs> no pockets in shrouds. And the other one I always remember, and this is what I just loved about mum, she used to say it's a great message for leaders and it saddens me the number of separations and divorces, unfortunately, mm. come across. She used to say, no success at work will ever make up for failure in the home. Mm. She was a big one on, on in terms of giving back uh, to community. She believed that leaders had a, people had an obligation to give back. Um, in the year 2000, she was honoured by actually carrying the Olympic torch for all the various charity work that she had done. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, and that's that, that's really so in our own small way, like. Um, Deb and I are involved with Starlight. I'm now, because of Mum's influence, I guess, I'm on the New South Wales board of Starlight. Mm. After 30 years, I was Santa Claus on the Manly Ferry and, and got at the time, he wasn't at the time, but I got a, 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 um, a community service award from Mike Baird, who now, of course, is our, is our premier. Yeah. But, but that, that thing about obnoblescopely, you have an obligation to give back. And every leader will go, I'm too busy. When I retire, mm. I don't have the time. Later, now. later, we, later. Like, if we all said that, there would be no people, none of these beautiful volunteers driving charities. So if the message I want to put out to your community is that, um, one, make you, you can make a massive difference, not just in your own work, but by giving back to the community. Mm. And, and don't, don't wait until you have the time. You'll never have the time. You start doing it, you'll make the time, and the degree of meaning and satisfaction and joy you'll get from it will just be... Uh, be uh, be mind-boggling. Yeah, pay you back in spades. Thank you, and, and, and thank you to your dear mother. So, look, I thought I was interviewing Paul Mitchell, and it turns out I'm interviewing Santa Claus from the Manly Ferry. I mean, <laughs> there's a celebrity if ever there was one. So, uh, Mitch, is, is sorry, what are you about? To say? No, 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 no. You can learn a lot of lessons from Santa Claus. Too good branding there, by the way. Yeah, very good branding. Yeah, good branding, and uh, I'm not just not sure about the dress wear. Uh, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> Not the nylon, not in December, not in Australia. Anyway, Mitch, look, it's been fantastic um, having you with us and thank you for sharing your, your knowledge with the community at Flying Salo and uh, look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks again, Rob. Uh, a pleasure to speak with you and, uh, and your uh, solo entrepreneurs. Thank you. 
And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo. I'm Robert Gerrish, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're looking to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, you'll find heaps of resources at flyingsolo.com.au and a supportive community on our forums and Facebook. Thanks for listening.